Hello, it's Denise from Women Beyond a Certain Age. We are so excited about our guest today, and we've had a couple of technical difficulties, which makes it even more exciting <laughs> when we're recording the podcast. We have our dear friend, Cheryl Jameson. Now, I need you to know something, and she's here, and she's live from Santa Fe, New Mexico, and she's here talking about her new book, but I know Cheryl from, I was running the Taste of Sunset, the cooking demos. I was still, I was so green. I, I didn't know much, and it was a lot of work, and it was one of the first food shows, and Cheryl and her darling husband were guests there, and I have to tell you, most of the guests weren't very nice to me. <laughs> They didn't seem to realize that I was the one that was getting their food together. But anyway, I learned so much and Cheryl and her husband were so delightful. And of course, when I did it for a couple of years and they were back every time, I was so grateful. So welcome, Cheryl. Hey, thank you, Denise. It's great to be with you this morning. Well, I don't know if it's this morning or the afternoon, depending on where we are. I don't know. But it's great to be with you. It's almost you know, live. I know. I'm going to tell you something. I We do the Zoom. Cindy, of course, has mastered all this, Cheryl. You realize that. This is my... Somebody who has. Thank you. This is our relationship. One day I said to Cindy, let's do podcasts. And she said, do you know how to? I said, what? I mean, details, details. So anyway, Miss Cindy is our engineer and producer, and that's why we're here today. Thank now, you so much, Cindy. I know. She's, she's a wonder. <laughs> I need to tell you something, Cheryl. My husband is not in the food world. We've been married 25, 26, I don't know, 100 years. But he, you know, he, he, he's not. So he, I don't know how much, it's like all married couples, I don't know much how he listens to me about my career or what he, if he ever understood it. But the bottom line is this morning, I said, oh, my friend Cheryl's gonna be on. I said, it's so exciting. And I said, and when I read her bio, so isn't this typical that I had no idea until I read your bio, that you have won four James Beard Awards. And I said that to Kenny and he went, what? And we both were like, we were, uh, it's shocking. I don't know anyone else who's won four James Beard Awards but you. Oh, thank you. Well, I know there are a few folks around, but I've been very fortunate. It's been just an amazing thing. I just cannot believe that that's been the case. Well, I know this because I've seen many of your other books and you, uh, just so people are, uh, our audience knows, Cheryl's publisher is sending us one of her new beautiful barbecue books. So we will have a giveaway, Cheryl, and we'll tell you when. You will. Um, we love the giveaways. <laughs> and I would too if it wasn't my own book. I'd be right up there trying to get that. We love the giveaways. So now, Miss Cheryl, tell us this. This is what I want to know. How did you ever get into cookbook writing to start with? And I know your husband was your partner. And how did you continue to go on? This is a big question. When he passed and left. I don't. Okay. That's, I mean, I that know it's a big question. Should we take I, the first piece at first and then please. go to that whole second piece? I'm tired of hearing you. myself talk. You go. <laughs> okay. Well, <laughs> both my husband, my late husband, Bill, and I uh, had careers that were in the arts. 
And ah. we did a lot of running around the country, uh, drumming up money and support for artists who were living and working in the West. I live in Santa Fe, New Mexico. And I was with an organization called the Western States Arts Foundation. Anyway, that's all history, except that it allowed me to run all over the United States at a time um, in the early 1980s when food was really uh, becoming such a big deal here in the U.S. Yes. Uh, before that, we kept looking, you know, to Europe and other places. And I was able to really uh, have a, a great look at what was going on with restaurants and food markets and farmers markets and all of that at a time that it was just really, you know, developing. And so um, one of the things that came then after that arts-related work was to do some travel writing based on a lot of that running around not only the U.S., but other places too and our travel writing that we started doing together got a certain amount of you know recognition um great territories the caribbean mexico hawaii santa fe all kinds of nice Gorgeous. destinations Gorgeous. yeah tough tough duty but people really responded to the food portion of what we wrote about you know all the travel was all well and good but i mean in our minds one of the great reasons to travel is to experience the food from another culture. And to me, one of the, you know, the easiest ways to get a sense of another culture is to be able to enjoy the food and to talk to people about why that food is important to them. Yes. So that started getting all this recognition and we thought, well, you know, maybe we should write more about food and we don't even have to do the travel. We can travel for fun. <laughs> Let's just do the food. Part. So you saw the trend. You saw this. Yeah. And, you know, we didn't have, neither one of us has a professional, ever had a professional background in food. I'd always cooked since the time I was a little kid. I had the wonderful great grandmothers and grandmothers who allowed me to, you know, have a chance to cook beside them. And uh, we had the big gardens and all of that. I had the wonderful upbringing like that. And so I cooked from the time I was really small. And it was always a, a fun, you know, kind of thing. It was a passion. Uh, I never saw it as a work-related thing though and then as it um, uh, you know came to the point that we thought we wanted to write about food it's like well who's gonna you know be interested in anything we write we don't have any degrees <laughs> or any background you know we haven't been chefs we haven't done anything professionally in food um, so we thought well okay we have been writing a lot about New Mexico and its culture and heritage and food was such a major part and is a major part of you know the the yeah, of New Mexico where I've been living since 1980 and we thought well okay maybe if we did something on New Mexican food people would you know think that okay we know something about it because one we live here and two you know we've written about it before so out of that um, we found out that a restaurant in northern New Mexico that uh, has literally 400 years of history and it's been a restaurant now for you know close to 55 years but this particular place uh, on this old family property uh, of some of the settling folks who arrived in the Chimayo Valley, which is north of uh, Santa Fe, about 30 minutes. Uh, they you know, had had this restaurant, they wanted to do a cookbook and we thought, well, maybe we could pair up with them. So we did, and that was the Rancho de Chimayo cookbook. And you know, it was one of those projects like, oh sure, we can do this, how do we do this? <laughs> Now, the thing. Yeah, you, you were smart enough to figure it out. 
<laughs> you saw it, you saw the opportunity, and you just did it. See, this is huge because, yes. you know, looking back now, Cheryl, if we, we have, this is a reoccurring thing that we see in podcasts with male and female people as we mature. The opportunity presents itself and you have to take the lead. Rabbit, that's right. You, you make your own luck. Yes. Right. And, you know, I know for me, I have always thought of myself as on the trapeze. And yes, once in a while, I fall. <laughs> but you just, you know, if you're, as long as you're, nothing's broken, you get back up and you do yes. it again. So yeah. this story is so charming. And also, I want to say one thing, if people, because we have such a wide audience, what you and Bill did was before the internet. That's right. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> there was ever a world without the internet. But see, I can remember when, I remember going to Santa Fe in the mid 80s, right after I got out of cooking mm -hmm. school, because one, it had always been an arts community. Two, it was beautiful. Yeah. People were writing about it, probably you and Bill. But also, I. Yes, at that time, we would have been. Yeah. Yes. I, I'm sure that's when I first read your name or read your work. But, you know, to look back when I got there and I saw, I just saw it. And I thought, to, and John Seedler had opened a restaurant in Los Angeles. I mean, there oh, was. I know, I kept making pilgrimage to Santa Steph myself whenever I would be in that part of the world. That yes. Beautiful little restaurant with that crazy reconstructed. And of course, he was doing it before anybody else. He took classic recipes and redesigned them into what you know, it's just phenomenal. Oh, wonderful contemporary Southwest contemporary. Yeah. So that I, but I just, I need to say, you were doing this when nobody else did, which is phenomenal. And well, also, yeah, I had no idea that this was going to become a thing. And in yeah. fact, one of the things that was amazing was, you know, we're seeing that Rancho de Chimayo cookbook. It's a, you know, like a one one off food project. And isn't that fun to have a chance to do that? And then nobody was more surprised than us when it started getting this critical attention because it was telling a story of a type of food that had such a role in history and culture, but really hadn't been written about separate from, say, Tex Mex, Cow Mex, as Mex, Mex, Mex. <laughs> anyway, it was such a fun process. And, and again, it was just one of these funny things. I have to tell you too, the restaurant at that time really didn't have written down recipes at all because the cooks were women from the village yes. and they had grown up making this kind of food all of their lives. So, you know, the carne adobada, the tamales, the calabacitas, the enchiladas, all of this stuff, you know, it, there was a, a way it was done. On the other hand, though, if you would go one day at lunch, maybe another day at dinner, it might taste slightly different because it was being made by different people who just had their own idea of it. Sure. So one of my jobs was to stand around in the kitchen, become friends with all these ladies from the village, and watch what they did and figure out what was the most common denominator of all these recipes, come back to my home kitchen, make a version of it, drive it back up to the family, uh, to the daughter, Laura Haramio, <laughs> and let her taste it and say, okay, does this taste like you think it's supposed to taste? And uh, it would be a taste of their family's history, of the Haramio family's history. So it was quite a process, and oh. I, we just figured out how to do it together. <laughs> and you know what? 
Instead, when I look, I, I did that once in my career where I was following a chef around getting his recipes, the same thing for a famous restaurant in LA that nobody had ever written a thing down. And actually, Cheryl, I think it was one of the hardest things I ever did. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. So I have nothing but admiration for you because that's not an easy gig. <laughs> well, it was interesting. And as I said, we, you know, we're lucky that people like um, Rick Bayless and you know, Mark Miller, some of these people yes. who are now legendary yes. in the field too, were, you know, kind of starting out in the early days themselves, but they recognized that this was an important cuisine and that we were doing something important by writing about it. And, you know, it was like, oh, well, not only was this a lot of fun to figure out and do, um, gosh, people think it's valuable. <laughs> Maybe we should think about doing another book. <laughs> that and was you know, 20, you know, 18, 18 books ago, something like that. Oh my God. That's, so what next? <sighs> well, okay. After that one? Yeah. <laughs> Okay, how things, I'll, I'll try to speed up this trajectory, but from that book, we decided that um, we were spending a lot of time in our neighboring state, Texas, because of family connections and just lots going on over there and food. And we thought, well, let's write a book about Texas home cooking before we, you know, are, are finished with this whole thing about writing about food. <laughs> we go back to travel writing and other arts projects and things. Anyway, uh, so we did this great big book called Texas Home Cooking. And as a part of that book, we had to deal with the, at that time, kind of thorny subject of Texas barbecue. And at, the st at that stage, it was kind of a dying art, but we wanted to recognize it and some of the, and they were mostly older men, pitmasters at that time. And we needed to figure out, you know, okay, how do we tell people to do this? And we had a momentary thought about saying something like, okay, get your car on I-35 and drive down to Kreitz's Barbecue in Lockhart and order this, you know. And it's like, no, no, we can't do that as a cop-out. So finally, we decided that we would talk to somebody who was making big barbecue pits, those offset firebox things yeah. that are large and hefty and you can, you know, you can cook a whole hog, a cow, a whatever in them. So we went to see this guy in Houston with a company called Pits and Spits. And we were very different people, <laughs> but we bonded over the idea of barbecue. And he decided he would come out to Santa Fe with one of these pits and he would really teach us how to barbecue. Wow. Did. We had a week together and we learned all the ins and outs of this pit and how to really make good Texas barbecue. So anyway, speeding up the story a bit, we did the book Texas Home Cooking and included a chapter, one chapter about Texas barbecue. And then we thought, you know, we've learned so much. We have so much more to say about this. Maybe we should try to do a book on barbecue before this tradition dies out all over the country. So You're we, a historian. Yeah, we pitched the idea to our then publisher, Harvard Common Press, and they said, okay, how's this different from grilling? And it's like, okay, we're talking about slow and low with serious wood and this old American tradition, not high heat grilling. That's a wonderful cooking form, but it's different. And um, we set off on the road and 
again, sort of figured out how to write about all of this. And that became our book, Smoke and Spice. And <laughs> darned if that didn't win us our first James Beard Award. And it has stayed in print for something like 25, almost 25 years now. And it sold close to 2 million copies at this point. That's amazing. <laughs> Who knew? That's <laughs> I, that's when I think I met you with Smoke and Spice. And it was, but it was a landmark book, Cheryl. You know, this it, is, and you yeah, it turned out to be, who knew? Yes. And who knew? not only did barbecue not die, it became so big and it's just grown and grown. And part of what I'm writing about in Texas Q, my new book, is what has changed in all of this time period of the last, you know, several decades. And one of the things is that there's now so much multicultural influence in Texas barbecue, you know, Vietnamese and Korean yes. and, and things like that. Um, also, I was able to, I really felt like that we had not recognized the African-American contributions to barbecue as fully as they deserved. And so I was able to, you know, to spend some more you know, time and, and research on that. But the other thing is that it has come back so strong with a whole new generation of younger pit masters yes. and mistresses, I guess we could say. You know, there are a lot of younger couples that are doing this together. There are a lot of women that are in this now. And I encourage all women to think that, yes, you can do this. And it's a lot of fun. <laughs> Well, and yeah, who, you know, who knew? Anyway, that's how Texas Q evolved. I love and that's it. That's a brand new book that came out just recently. I can't wait to see it. Now, whenever I see you, because Cheryl has, has also has a podcast and it's a radio show, isn't it, Cheryl? That's right. It's done through Hutton Broadcasting that's based okay. here in Northern New Mexico, okay. but you can hear it everywhere that's from SantaFe.com. All the information about you right. up on our website and on our Facebook page, Cheryl. So, because there are a lot of people that will listen to this that will, one, go out and buy your books, hopefully, but they do because they'll, or people say things like, I'd forgotten about that cookbook or gosh, I never, you know, blah, blah, blah. So it's, and we get questions and letters, but I'll tell you something. When I see a picture of you and you're within publicity now, when you've been doing the new book, I keep expecting to see you just have sleeves of tattoos up and down your arm. <laughs> Because that's what not yet. <laughs> not yet. And I'm glad. Okay. <laughs> There's some years ahead, you know. Maybe I'll do that next. I'll tell you, every time I, I love the new young pit masters, as you call them. I love reading about some of these kids. I love that they're couples. One of theirs, there was a new, I won't say his name, but a handsome kid, but tattooed all over in LA. Okay, uh -huh. tattooed everywhere. So I take Ann Willen, she's still living in Santa Monica, yes. and we go to lunch. Yeah. And the chef is, I don't know, 20. I'm sure my shoes were older than the chef was, but he came out to the table because he had heard that Ann Willen was there. So he came out, said hello. We talked for a few minutes. Of course, he sent out different things for us to eat. It was all divine. And, but when he left, I turned to Ann and typically I said, wow, that was a lot of tattoos. <laughs> she turns to me and says, oh, I know, I love to watch the move. <laughs> I'll, never, I'll never forget it. I will look down and I thought, all right, that was something I didn't know about Ann Willen. <laughs> <laughs> what a great story. Now, what, so you've accomplished Texas Q. 
is it still too new to think I have another book in me or do you, how do you get an idea for your next book? Um, oftentimes from where, what I was writing before is sort of as an extension of, hey, this was great. There's a nugget of another idea in here I would like to pursue. And I might have one more in here. I had an odd circumstance of writing this book simultaneous with a book called The Perini Ranch Steakhouse Cookbook that I did as a co-author for my friends Tom and Lisa Perini, nice. who have this amazing uh, Beard Award-winning classic Texas steakhouse called Perini Ranch Steakhouse. Anyway, um, I ended up having to, you know, to do both of these books. They were somewhat simultaneous, and I thought that I had just killed myself. I, <laughs> I just thought, what have I done? My idea in accepting both of them was that, oh, they're similar topics. You know, they're different, but they're similar enough. These two things about Texas meat among, you know, sort of at their heart. And, oh, it'll be easy to research both of them at the same time. <laughs> the reality was it was twice as hard because I couldn't use the same language or the same examples or the same stories in both books because they need to be two very different books. So I really thought at the point I turned this in, at, uh, like oh, late last summer, that uh, I was maybe done. <laughs> The Perini book had already gone in. This one was, you know, coming. But at this point, I am refreshed and feeling right. like, oh, this has been fun again to get out there and talk about the book and talk about, you know, career and all. So, yeah, I'm thinking about another one that will deal with the Southwest just because it's my love. <laughs> we'll I, I, see. And, and you know what? You've done them. You, it's been inspirational, Cheryl, but also you've done your, this take teaches us more about America. Do you know what I mean? It's such a wonderful thing. You're an inspiration to me. Oh gosh, what a nice thing to hear. I'm not oh, and you have done so many things so oh. well yourself. That makes me feel really Thank good you. to hear you I, say that. I will tell you this. Once I did the same thing. It seemed like I got a contract, then my agent brought another contract. I said to Cindy, we can write these two books. We'll finish it, we'll work on this. Oh, sure. It'll be fun to go back and forth. And I need you to know, about halfway through, I, was, I took the day off and I was framing something, just nothing important, but I was framing something and I cut my finger, but fairly deeply. And my husband said, are you okay? I said, no, I think it's a suicide attempt because of trying to write two books at one time. <laughs> My I get it entirely. <laughs> oh my gosh. Managed my finger and I thought, I'm never doing that again. People, I don't think, Cheryl, unless you've done it, and I, this is a, funny because I was talking to Diane Jacob yesterday. People that have never written a cookbook, everyone has a fantasy about writing a cookbook. Uh -huh. Everyone. I think they have the recipes, so it's certainly it will be easy That's to put it. together. Yes. So what you have the recipes. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Try to write one, much less all the ones you and I have written over the years. You, you have just technical writing. It's hard. It's just plain hard, even though it's joyful. And then when the baby comes in the mail. Yes. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, it is. It's like a delivery. It's like, I'll never do this again. I know. Like, oh, yeah. This is okay. <laughs> this worked out all right. You are phenomenal. So what's in the future? 
You think maybe another book? Are you, I know we're all in quarantine, so you've not been able to go on any trip. That's right. It's, um, yeah, it's been a whole different kind of book tour. You know, we were talking off air about, you know, both of us feeling like we're technical, you know, kind of neophytes. Yes. But like you, I mean, I've had to learn how to do this to figure out a way to get the word out on this book. So I've been teaching myself in this quarantine period how to do all kinds of social media. I mean, I was doing it, you know, in a minor way, but I've learned all the details about how to really do this and lots of Zoom things and all. And while it's a lot of work, it's actually a lot easier than running all over, you know, the state of Texas and the rest of the country (laughs) doing major book promo. So that part's okay. Uh, So yes, I've been learning about that. And, you know, doing these books on my own has been um, interesting because I did write for all those years and more than three decades, Bill and I had our career together. And it was so terrific to have the fun of the process together. And we had complementary skills. And when you had down moments about it, you had somebody else there to talk about it with and all. And, you know, so at the point that he uh, died of cancer, you know, my agent and the publisher had said, well, we had another book under, actually under contract at that point, but everybody said, you know, just take the time, see if you want to do it. If you don't want to do it, that's okay, we'll understand. Then I did take, oh, you know, maybe four months or so um, in just kind of thinking about, okay, do I really want to go back to this? And I decided, yes, I still had more to say. Um, I feel like I have a fair bit of resiliency. Um, it's tough to lose your spouse and your you know, life partner and your soulmate and <laughs> your co-author. But um, I felt like, okay, this is this is my life too, and I want to go back to it. So um, I I did, and I accepted that book that became Texas Slow Cooker. I do have to tell you, I spent about two months, though, sitting, staring at my computer screen and my kitchen cabinets thinking, what have I done? Why do I think I want to do this? I don't have anything else I need to prove, or do I? <laughs> and I finally... <laughs> you know, as I was knowing when the deadline for the book was thought, okay, I've just got to start putting something down on paper. I don't care what it is. And so I just kind of started in the middle someplace and wrote some recipes and I wrote some head notes and I wrote this and I wrote that. And after um, a couple of months of that, I thought, wait a minute, if I put this all together, I think it is starting to maybe shape up. And uh, it did come together as a book that I was really proud of. And that was the first I did on my own. And from then it was, you know, there really wasn't any looking back. It was like, yes, I, this is my career on my own as well. Okay. Well, you know what? You make me cry and I'm so proud of you. I can't stand it. And I'm proud. I'm proud to know you and I can't thank you enough. I can't thank you enough for spending your time with us today. You know, Cheryl, we do not know the impact we make on others. I don't think most of us see ourselves. You know what I mean? We see the flaws. We don't see the positive. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And on Zoom, you see, wait a minute, how much weight have I put on? (laughs) Well, I'm sad here in quarantine. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh. You know what I said to someone who, a very dear friend of mine who worries about every ounce? She said, oh, Denise, I'm gaining weight in quarantine. I said, sweetie, I was already fat. I'm not worried. (laughs) I don't care. 
but no, in all seriousness, this has been, you have no idea the nuggets that you just said and how much you are, will help other people that will listen to this because you mentioned several things, but perseverance and resilience, as we know, women beyond a certain age, um, if you're not, you've got to get tough. And if you haven't gotten tough, you're going to get tough. That's right. Yeah. But you can get out there and you can do it and you, you can yes. succeed and, and wait. Just like we, we have can, it in ourselves. Yes. And we can teach ourselves social media. In the last year, Cheryl, when we moved from LA, so Cindy took over most of the food styling and it used to be viable before the quarantine. <laughs> right. But Cindy will come back. I was already, you know, slowing down and I've got things to do, but I just, I'm slowing down and I've never had so much fun in my life because I'm actually just kind of living my life. I don't even know what that was like, but you know what? I had to learn to do certain things because Cindy wasn't there to do them for me every day. And now I can't tell you, and she's always the same thing when she'll show up at my, when she does come to the office or I tell her on the phone, she goes, I'm so proud of you. <laughs> because I'm learning. She should stuff. be. Yes. So we can all learn. Doesn't matter. Even if we are women beyond a certain age, we can learn. That's absolutely right. Anything we need to do, we can do it. Well, <laughs> oh, we really can. We really can. I look forward to seeing your book and then it's going to be a giveaway here and we will tell you when it's coming and we'll put all your information, contact information right on the, uh, the Facebook page and our website page, Cheryl, so people can reach out to you. Fantastic. I'll be happy to do that. And thank you so much for having me on your podcast. Are you kidding? This was our pleasure. All right. Have a lovely rest of the day. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.